Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book creators and very funny fellas, Julian Hanshaw and Krent Abel, about what comics they would take into an artificially intelligent robot apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. Available from just £5 a month, the Comic Scene Comic Club gets you monthly issues of the History of Comics 1930-2030, to monthly issues of the brand new Shift comic anthology, and two Comic Scene specials per year. To find out more and subscribe to the Comic Club, visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Julian Hanshaw and Krent Abel. How's it going? Hello there, Samuel. Good to talk to you. Hey there, Sam. Good to Hi. talk to you also. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, and it's, it's always a pleasure to have two uh, guests on, on the pod, uh, but it can always be a little bit uh, kind of awkward at first as, as we get acquainted to a, to a, a three-way sure <laughs> in, in that way you know um but uh, it's an absolute pleasure um to have you both on comics for the apocalypse um and for anybody that hasn't come across your work just yet um what do you both do in the world of comics julian <laughs> what do i do um struggle on a daily basis and pull my hair out um <laughs> well i've worked with a number Publishers, I've been with Jonathan Cape, and I've had a couple of books with Top Shelf and with Self Made Hero. So, um, yeah, yeah, I've been I've been going for a while now, and um, take the projects where I who'll accept them really. <laughs> Anybody will have him. <laughs> I know. I just kind of wander around with comics under my arm, banging on doors, hoping that someone will green light a project. <laughs> Excellent. And Krent, how about you? Um, I've done a couple of books, which are compilations of my comics, which were mostly in music magazines for a publisher called Knockabout. Um, I've done another book with Julian the, uh, called I Feel Machine. And I've got one coming out with an image later on this year. So, yeah, just bits here and there. Plus, I do like illustrations and storyboard work and stuff. Whatever that's about. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, and where can everybody find you online? I'm uh, www.crentable on, that would be my website. And it's just like, if you go to Instagram or Twitter or the other one and just type in crentable, you'll find me. It's like, because there's only one crentable, because it's such a weird name, is my answer. <laughs> And yeah, as for me, uh, I don't have a website like Krent, but you can find me um, at Hanshaw Julian. And I tend to kind of hang out more on Instagram than I do Twitter. It's a little more friendly on there. Yeah, Twitter's gone. (laughs) It's a wild west, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> Definitely. Uh, but all of those links, of course, are in the show notes, folks. So so go follow Crent and Julian um, on Instagram, Twitter. Um, check out Crent's uh, website as well. Um, and uh, and also check out uh, your short film as well, Deep Clean, Crent. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about fantastic. that. Thought about my film career. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's right on YouTube. Yeah, I forgot about that film career. Yeah, just a bit. Because you, you can watch that on YouTube right mm-hmm. now. Um, it's, it's great. Congratulations on, on putting on such, such a great short film. Cheers. I can't take all the credit for that. I didn't direct that one. Uh, I made that film with a guy called Matt Harlock who directed it and co-wrote it with me. But yeah, check it out on YouTube. It's um, It's a fun little horror film with a lot of gross things going on in it. But yeah, it's cool. It's had a lot of views. Oh, absolutely. It's totally rad. I um, highly recommend that. I'll put that link to link in the show notes as well. So people go click through straight onto that. Jeez. Now, um, oh, no worries. No worries at all. Um, something else uh, that I'd like to mention up top as well is that you've both collaborated together um, on, a, on another book uh, called I Feel Love. Absolutely, yeah. So, um, t- tell us a little bit more about that before before we get into uh, into our apocalypse. <laughs> Julian's good at this. This one should go to Julian. Uh, Come on, Julian. Okay, I take a run up a long run. Um, well, initially we collaborated on "I Feel Machine," which was ooh three, two, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Crent and myself met at um, a London comic convention. And we were kind of put on a table by a friend. So I'd never met Crent and he had never met me, but I was kind of fully aware of Crent's reputation. So I was a wee bit nervous <laughs> about meeting him. <laughs> so we kind of stood at the table and over the course of a, an afternoon, eyed each other up and politely swapped banter. And we kind of, we, we eventually got along after a few beers and kind of a, an idea an anthology kind of came about um which we took to emma that self-made hero uh, she's the publisher yes yeah and after she had um green lit that after we'd picked ourselves up off the floor we'd staggered by actually being green lit for the project <laughs> we we come then reached out to a number of creators that we thought would really fit the, the bill to kind of address uh, a, a technology themed anthology so we, we poured in some really good talent for that yeah julian's a mate of sean tams so he managed to rope him in which was like Brilliant. really exciting for us his, uh, his work is amazing and yeah and then we and obviously we kind of utilize emma's and self-made heroes they had tilly walden on their books uh, box brown so we were able to kind of get in touch with them so we were kind of slowly pull people into the fold. Um, we then reached out to another guy called Eric Svetov, who's a, a Swedish comic creator. Um, and that was it, wasn't it? That was the, that was the yeah, whole that's, crew. That's all of them. And plus, yeah. plus our stories. We chipped in a few stories each. It was like six stories all in all. And, and what's the, uh, what's kind of the, the, the premise behind it? That one was just technology, so yeah. it's quite a big thing. You can just go in any direction, really. Um, we had I did one kind of about like uh, a satire of 
parents' attitudes towards their children using telephones all the time, <laughs> taking it to a, a ludicrous extreme. But it was really grim at the same time. And Julian, do you want to talk about yours? Yeah, my one was uh, about oh, how to make it sound almost sensible. It was an environment where everyone looked the same and there was a chicken who was God. And <laughs> there was, a, there was a, a projector which kind of showed you other time dimensions. There was a lot going on in the 12 pages. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was an intense book in some respects. So after that, we thought we'd kind of lighten things up a bit with a, a book on love stories. But we, again, our natural instinct is to take things dark and twisted. And that's where kind of I feel love has ended up. Yeah, it's not light at all. No. Well, I mean, it's it's fun, but it's um, some of it is pretty weird and gruesome. But yeah. Well, lo- lo- love can turn pretty dark sometimes, can't <laughs> Absolutely, it? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think that's what you've tried to reflect in, in this, from what I've read. Cheers. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no worries <laughs> at all. Um, but I mean, yeah, because it's, it's kind of important, uh, I guess, to like um, acknowledge that, um, that, it, that it can kind of turn toxic and it, and it can, can make you as a person dark and I guess kind of the relationship can go dark as well. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> but to be honest, I don't know how much this story, this book seriously takes the darkness of broken relationships and love, to be honest. I mean, it, it looks at it from almost every kind of angle. But yeah, it's, not, I mean, it's not a downer. No, I mean, it's been shot through so many prisms and kind of the creators of Kelsey Roten and Anya Davidson have come back with it. Just, uh, yeah, they're kind of lively experiences. Have you, have you read the book, Sam? I haven't managed to, to read all the way through it. No. Um, I've, I've seen bits and bobs. Did it tie you out a wee bit then? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I think it might have to be. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, um, from, from kind of what I've read, um, it's, it's definitely a a different take from whatever I've ever kind of read and seen before. And I wouldn't expect anything less from, uh, from self-made hero. Um, but, uh, where, where can people, uh, find it? You can get it online. Um, from any bookshop or comic shop, probably you could, and you can order it mm-hmm. online, or just go to the shops when they open next week yeah. or something. Yeah, next go month, to a comic shop next week and buy it. Yes, that's that's the correct answer, isn't it? <laughs> correct answer, <laughs> absolutely. And uh, yeah, um, again, uh, the, the the link to I Feel Love on the Self Made Hero website, so you can check it out a bit more. Um, is uh, is in the show notes, folks. So so go check that out right there. Uh, now, um, all of that aside, whilst you've created a, a fantastically um, intriguing book. Um, unfortunately, at the same time, um, an artificially intelligent robot has taken over society. I'm afraid it's all gone Pete Tong, lads. So, my question for you, uh, for you both, is what is your action plan for survival? Where you go, fella? Oh, cheers, mate. Thanks. Uh, (laughs) 
if I don't know if the apocalypse was anything like the last year, I would be completely fine because it's exactly pretty much the same as my life previous to this mini apocalypse we're having. So I'd be fine. I've got loads of beans, comets. <laughs> Will the TV still be working? Is oh, the yeah, Netflix yeah, in yeah. the apocalypse? It's, it's just, it's all going to be kind of robot soap operas and things. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm all ready for the apocalypse, mate. Julian's got his chickens. <laughs> yeah, I've got ch- Well, yeah. If it ends me eating the chickens, um, we've gone. Yeah, it's gone horribly wrong. I think I, I would be, I'd end up going to the Med. I think is what I would do. I'd work my way down to the Mediterranean. How are you going to manage that? The robots are not going to let you, mate. They're not going to let you get on a plane I, or anything uh, like that. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a plan, but if I. I'm going to spoil it that there's a question that comes up later and I will answer that question in that question. Amazing. Amazing. I love it. I've given it some serious thought, man. I've did nothing else today. (laughs) Amazing. Appreciate that. That's great. Um, So uh, with that in mind, um, uh, so let's, let's start off with you, Krent. You're sitting on your sofa, eating beans, enjoying the, 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 the new wave of robot TV, um, yeah. and uh, you, you start contemplating uh, the good old days when you used to read uh, comics instead of having to watch robot soap operas, um, and you ask yourself, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? What is the first comic I remember enjoying? Uh, probably, I remember when I was about nine, my mum would take me to i go shopping with my mom at the weekend and she'd let me go into the newsagent and pick out a comic. And I distinctly remember going there and seeing 2000 AD for the first time and insisting on having that just because it looked so violent. <laughs> and yeah, just because it looked violent <laughs> and really bright and insane. So yeah, that's the one I totally remember. And to be honest, I'm not sure I've really progressed that far since then. I still like the same <laughs> things. And Arrested development. You've my comics are really just still quite heavily inspired by that, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. So that, really. Without awesome. that, I, would, I don't know what I'd be doing in the apocalypse. <laughs> Excellent. And so um, that's obviously where the, the love of comics mm-hmm. for you kind of starts from. And did you kind of read that first issue of 2000 AD and kind of immediately put pen to paper? Or, or where um, where did that that I would probably come copy from? a lot of the drawings. I, I think yeah. I bought like the, the first hundred or something, and then maybe I kind of got into something else. I don't know what. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I did. I started drawing a comic strip when I was about fourteen or fifteen, and that was in the they um, that managed to get in the local newspaper. They let Seriously? it run. Yeah, they let it run. <laughs> They let it run in the Grimsby Evening Telegraph for about three weeks. But what was I think it about? It was called The Vigilante. And it was about, <laughs> it was oh, a guy no. who looked really a lot like Strontium Dog <laughs> from 2018 going around shooting bad people. And it was just people getting shot and stuff. And so they took it off the comic after a while. But I would speak, keep going into the newspaper offices with my mum taking news strips and they would say oh yeah thanks 
and they'd give me like five pounds. But then <laughs> and I'd go home and I'd wait for the newspaper. But then it was not in the newspaper anymore. <laughs> You've been censored by the Grimsby, what was it? Evening Telegraph. Oh, it kind of it's, reminds, the way you're kind of describing it is that film Almost Famous. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of reminds, young man gets into kind of print and journalism at a very young age. Yeah, yeah that was it. And just the rest of the album. I've not barely changed. <laughs> if you look at my comic today, it's very same thing. Same old stuff. <laughs> well, it's it's a thousand times better than me, Crent. Um, so you know, it's very kind of you, to say. <laughs> you, you, you do yourself a disservice there. Um, now, uh, Julian, you're on your way to the Med on your top secret mission um, that you're keeping close to your chest, um, and you ask yourself the same question: um, What's the first comic you remember enjoying? I think it would have to be the Furry Freak Brothers by. Gilbert Shelton. Um, I, I remember being handed it to by a, a, a friend of mine on a foundation course, which is what the course you do before you go to art school. And he had an older brother, and like most most older brothers, they kind of hand down Clash albums or something. But he handed his brother, the Furry Freak Brothers, who thankfully handed it on to me and. I've never seen anything like it, to be honest. Um, and someone who was about to enter art school and was kind of dreaming of sex and drugs, this this fitted absolutely perfectly. Um, but I really, apart from the kind of the crazy stories, I guess I really loved the art as well. And it was kind of the, the amount of work that went into each panel, um, which then kind of led me on to kind of looking at Robert Crumb and people like that. It was kind of the, the mark making on the on the panels. They're kind of it's like a, a an etching dry point. Um, I guess it's probably something I should have pursued when I did go to art school, but I I turned up wanting to be a sculptor, so I kind of missed the trick there. But the Fairy Freak Brothers were the first thing that I remember kind of grinning and laughing at as as, as I read it. That's fantastic, and and so where did the initial um, creativity um, for for being an artist come from in the first place? Then, oh, for being an artist, I mean, I was at a comprehensive school where no one had ever done A level art before, so I had to. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, exactly. I had I sat in a room for two years and drew whatever I want because I wasn't being taught anything. The te- there was no teachers to teach me. So I kind of made up my own syllabus and quite rightly failed horribly. I got an E in my A-level art, (laughs) which is no surprise. So, but the great thing was when I turned up to foundation course, the tutors just kind of said, oh, we don't need to deprogram you. You're you're like an empty vessel. Mm -hmm. So you'll fit right in and we'll take you, um, even though you've got an an E in your A-level. but unlike Krent, I didn't kind of get into doing anything comic-y, sequential. Oh, hell, until I was in my kind of 20s, I'd imagine. Because I left art school and then became an animator. And then that led me back into reading and drawing comics again. So it was a kind of a long curve to get back into comics. Always reading them, but never, unlike Krent, I never kind of wanted to be in comics. 
but it managed to pull you back in eventually. It did because I walked away from animation and I just I was so fed up with production companies and working with large crews. I wanted to go and do something where I could just totally be in charge of absolutely everything. Mm. And uh, yeah, that I kind of moved out of London, moved down to the coast and tried to be a cartoonist, which took a, quite a few years in the wilderness before anything happened. And yet here you are. It's awesome. Here I am. If only you could see where I'm sitting. <laughs> uh, it sounds all right to me, uh, particularly as you're still at, you're on your way to the med. So yes, it'll, exactly. it'll be I've all right a, in the end. i hold that thought, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, we're going to head back to uh, to to Crent on the sofa. Um, and, the, and the next question crops up in your mind whilst you're watching um, whilst the ads are on, in fact, um, of, of this new robot TV craziness. Um, and uh, you ask yourself, what's the funniest comic that you've read? Um, the funniest one I've read recently is probably um, Benjamin Mara's One Man War on Terror. Do you know that? Like it, has a- come up, it has come up a, a couple of times on the pod, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty insane and over the top. It is. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's. I love it. It just, just even look, just looking at the drawings makes me laugh, <laughs> I, because it's like drawn by a weird teenager, just like that's what what I was. But even like a teenager who might be a murderer at the same time, just there's something really deranged about it and kind of unschooled <laughs> the way it's drawn, and some of the panel compositions are just hilarious. Yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's, there's just something cracked about the whole thing. And I've met him a few times, and I try and get to the bottom, whether, whether he does it on purpose or if that's the way he draws, but I still don't know. I don't know, I would, if, he, I don't know if he knows either. It's, it's I would great. say that's one of the books that, for buying comics for other people, that's one book that I bought the most people. I would right. most people, yeah. It's just one of those books where it's just like you gauge people by their reaction to it, I think. <laughs> it's pretty shocking in places, isn't it? But really funny at the same time. Yeah, it's hilarious. The way everybody says what they're doing as they're doing it. Like, <laughs> I'm really excited. Or now you're penetrating me. <laughs> Check out that book, anybody. Anyway. That's fantastic, and uh, and to you, Julian. Uh, what's the funny, funniest comic that you've read? Uh, for me, it would be uh, Mackie's by Tony Tony Millionaire. Um, it's a book I came across quite a few years ago, and I guess uh, a bit like Gilbert Shelton, the Fairy Freak Brother guys. The first thing I noticed was the detail. I, again, it's the attention to detail and the work per panel that he was putting in. Um, and I kind of guess thinking about it and hmm, there needs to be kind of a, a sticker or something that should go on comic books for me anyway that kind of gauges the math- mathematical equation or something to how much work has gone into each panel because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm tended to drawn to, to books like that anyway enough about the attention to detail it's just a damn funny book um, it kind of centres around two characters it's drinky crow and mm-hmm. uncle uncle gabby and they're constantly just kind of getting drunk and ending up in crazy hijinks but 
the deal is with it. It's kind of drawn in kind of like a Victorian etching style. So you have these kind of brilliantly surreal drawings set against this kind of fausty, dusty etching style. So they're kind of the two jar in some respects, but then sit really beautifully side by side. And it, it has this kind of perfect kind of underground vibe to it as well, a bit like... Um, uh, do you know Kaz, Kaz and Underworld, things like that? They're, they're just kind of US underground. Re- they have a really punky feel to them, and they're all really very funny, the kind of thing that you, I guess you'd kind of read day drinking in a bar somewhere. <laughs> so I would go for Mackie's Tony Millionaire. I think per page it has the most laughs for me, definitely. Fantastic. <clears throat> and that's a, that's a really good... Uh... That'd be really good to kind of like have yeah little stickers of like how much time has gone into panels on uh, on comics, <laughs> so that people can actually gauge. You know, this has taken so much work. Don't think that this just kind of happens overnight. Um, a lot of thought and effort goes yeah. into all of this. You know? well, a bit like the stickers you get on kind of um, food. You get the kind of the yeah. traffic lighting. You should have something similar okay. on the front of the comic. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. (laughs) Um, Excellent. Uh, Now, um, we move on to uh, quite a different question, um, and that is, uh, what's the saddest comic that you've read? For for me, the most saddest, depressing comics in the world, apart from Julian's... I was going to say... (laughs) (laughs) And it's just... Anything by Chris Ware. I don't know. Do you, do you know his work? Man. I, I, I hadn't really come across it before Before uh, it, you sent it, sent him through. Um, and, uh, yeah, look at, looking at it, it looks really uh, just interesting. <laughs> yeah, he, he is a genius, for sure, yeah. and very clever. And it looks beautiful, and it is beautiful, and it's very, very well made. But it's just such a downer. It's yeah. It, you just sit there and you read it, and you're like, oh, and then you can't get up. Oh, the, no. day, the day's gone. <laughs> you're you having bad thoughts, man. You know, like real bad thoughts. <laughs> it's dark, man. Um, ho- ho- hopefully, the uh, robot soap opera is going to brighten your day. But, uh... God, I hope <laughs> yeah. so. Who, if if there's adverts on the robot TV, yeah. who are the adverts for? Because I don't know if you've thought this through. I'm just wondering. <laughs> no, yeah. oh, no, no, no. So, uh, I, I haven't thought this through in the slightest. The whole concept but, but, of the podcast comes crashing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Um, but... Uh, yeah, we, we we could say that they're just propaganda adverts, I reckon. Um to keep, to keep to keep to, to keep the human um the human slaves kind of enslaved, I, I reckon. Get it. I get it. Yeah. yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> Maybe in future Samuel you can slowly fade Krent out if he comes up with personal <laughs> questions like that again. Stop, stop poking plot <laughs> holes in this whole device. <laughs> I'm just very thorough. I like to think things through from every angle. Like Stephen Hawking. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) And for you, Julian, what's the saddest comic that you've read? Um, It's 
George Sprott by Seth, which is kind of similar in some respects, I reckon, to Krent's um, choice. Um, it's a really, it's a really beautifully measured and uh, weighted book, and the kind of the pages are are told in either single or uh, double page vignettes with kind of interviews and flashbacks. Um, and also, which is really great in the book, Seth has um, he's built the, he's built the town out of kind of cardboards, and he's taken the photographs of the shops and the buildings that feature in the story. And I think in in the end, he he actually made a town that you could go and visit. So it's a really meticulously made book on, on kind of many levels, and it's kind of filled with really heartbreaking love and pathos and kind of. The lead character is this kind of old guy who's full of bluster and he's, he, he's got his TV show in Canada and he's always getting drunk and falling asleep on it. And kind of the world's changing and he can't quite keep up and he's just letting the, the world carry on. And in the end, his heart kind of gives up. And we kind of, we're kind of in his head as he's lying on the floor, kind of staring at his stubby little shoes as kind of his life ebbs away. It's... It's really sad, and kind of for a number of years, I used it as my mouse mat. What well, well, my tablet, my Wacom drawing tablet, had it under there because I was hoping it would kind of send some influence to whatever I was drawing. Because it's just such a beautiful, beautiful thing that he's created, and it's really, really sad. And it's got it's got a great cover. Um, yeah, looking at it now, um, just a just a kind of very. I don't know, it's almost uh, Art Deco. Yeah, I mean, graphically throughout yeah. the book, it's it's really clever. I mean, it, it, there's kind of fold-out pages and how he kind of plays with the, with the panel setups and where the text goes within the panels. It's a really deft piece of work. Um, and it's absolutely beautiful. And beautiful. I was lucky enough to be on a panel with Seth at TCAF, um, was it 2019 or whatever? And it was very hard not to be a bit of a fanboy mm. when I when I was introduced to him. Oh, it's great when that that sort of thing happens. Um, yeah, I was I was telling Krent before before you joined us um, mm. before we came on the air um, that we had uh, Charlie Adlard on the podcast oh, oh God, um, right. for the hundredth uh, for the hundredth episode. Um, there was a, about a month ago. Um, and and I, I was being a bit of a fanboy <laughs> with him because <laughs> The Walking Dead is what kind of basically got got me into comics okay. um, about 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 ten years ago now. Um, but uh, yeah, no, um, I, I know that feeling well. Feeling it's tricky, so. isn't it? You don't, yeah, you don't you don't want to come across as being too cool and say, "Oh, it's just you." But neither yeah. do you. It's just how to how to judge it. That sweet spot. Yeah, I find it tricky. It's not easy. Just it's like when I met Krent for the first time. It's exactly how I had to ch- kind of judge it. Yeah. Well. yeah. <laughs> Play it right. Yeah. Big <laughs> Look where it's got me. You're at the top now, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling giddy. So I'm going back. Love it. Uh, now, um, yeah, once again, I'm heading back to you, Krent. Um, what's the scariest comic that you've read? The scariest comic is also the grimmest comic I think I've ever read, is by a guy called Josh Simmons, called The Fairy Trap. So we're giving you basically more indie comics. Um, it's published by Fantagraphics. I'm holding it in my hand. It's, it just looks 
it's just a horrible looking book. When you open it up, it looks, it's got like, it just looks like it's really dirty and it's made out of bits of old paper. And it's just, there's a story right at the end. Let me find it. When was it published, Crenn? I've never heard of it. Um, probably. Well, yeah, 2012. Okay. Fairy Trap by Josh Simmons. It's just really dark, grim horror comics. But they are really horrible. They, they, it's not super graphic or there's no like zombies or monsters attacking people and pulling them apart. It's just grim. <laughs> it's just really grim. It's got quite drawn. a telling cover as well, hasn't it? Um, kind of with the blood footprint. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the inside of somebody's apartment with bloody footprints going around the back and the front. And there's a story in, in at the end called Demonwood about a guy who goes to work on a building site and he meets this creepy baby. The kind of yeah, it's just horrible. Is that where you stole the idea for Deep Clean from? That's, I just get most of my ideas from this book. <laughs> yeah, I just take them. <laughs> there's a brilliant Batman comic in this as well. Like uh, a piece take of Batman called Mark of the Bat. Batman is kind of all down and out and grotty and stubby. But not like a Zack Snyder kind of movie. They're kind of different kind of style. They're <laughs> very different, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I highly recommend this book. Josh what, has he, what has he got on to do, Josh Simmons? Um, I think he just kind of does the same thing. It's a little... I mean, it's kind of indie, and it's never going to go large because it's so grim, really. And some of it is pretty rude as well. But, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> nah, Luke, cool. Um, yeah. Certainly piques my interest. Um, and uh, and for you, there's nothing that um, kind of comes to mind for you, is there, Julian? No, there isn't. I, well, I don't think... I don't think because of the, the medium of comics you can actually, or I can be scared by it because I just close it and move on. There's no jump cuts or the, you know, all those kind of tricks that horror films, and I hate horror films. I, I'm, I am not a horror film. I cannot watch horror films. Um, I think as I've grown older, I've just kind of I've become a little bit more squeamish perhaps. And I, I don't enjoy the whole process, but I guess there's a scene in Domu uh, by uh, Katsuhiro Otomo. Is that Katsuhiro Otomo? The Akira mm-hmm. fella. Right. And he um, he jabs a, uh, a modelling blade into his neck and kind of slowly slices it across his throat. And I remember reading that when I was 20, but I guess... I was a bit startled by it. it was a wee bit gory, I guess. Not horrifying, but gory. But I was more fascinated by the staging of it and the angles and the pacing of the scene and how the, the blood splatters. That kind of got my attention more than the actual the horrific nature of what was being portrayed. Um, I Yeah, I just... I'm not drawn to those kind of comics anyway, so I guess they're out mm. there, but I've just never really kind of indulged or come across and that's why I was kind of interested in what Krent had to say and I'll definitely kind of look that up it is true it's true it's really hard to be 
scary. Yeah, in the comics really hard. Because who's that? Is it Uzumaki who does the kind of the Japanese horror stuff? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I like they're, they're, yeah, they're brilliant. They're really great, but they're, they're not scary. They're just kind of fascinating. Models. Some of them are a bit haunting. They do stay with you. There's one yeah. where a bunch of people are drawn to this um, these caves that are human shaped, uh-huh. and they all the people in the town are drawn to it, and they all go into these human-shaped caves that are like crevices that are exactly their shapes, and they go further and further in, and the caves get tighter and tighter, and it changes the shape of all their bodies. That's really cool. So that's kind of psychological, isn't it, more than kind of gory or anything? I can't remember the name of it. So it sounds pretty horrifying. It is. <laughs> From my perspective, um, that would freak me out. <laughs> I'll, I'll check it out for sure. Um, during, during the day, I'll check it out. <laughs> Absolutely. Not not just before bed. Um, now, um, moving on uh, to my favourite question, and that is, uh, Krent, what is your favourite cover? My favourite cover? I'm going to bring it up on my screen because I'm sat at my computer and I know what I'm looking at. Yeah. My favourite screen. <laughs> screen. <laughs> my brain is gone. Um, my favourite cover would be 2000 AD Prog 17, which I guess I would have read when I was about 11. Um, and it's... A, a dinosaur has got trapped in a transporter with three guys, and they've kind of got melded together, and the dinosaur now doesn't have a head. He has the heads of three guys poking out the top and it's coming out of this transporter and attacking a load of people that are running away. And the caption is, Oh no, Johnson Mills and Shepard. I've got mixed up with a Tyrannosaur in the time machine. It's just like, yeah, it's so cool. And it's drawn by Brian Bolland. So, but whenever I look at the colors of these things, it just takes me right back. It's quite weird. That's one thing that comics kind of have for me. If the colours are just right, it just, I don't know, it gives you a kind of really nice feeling. Because around that era, was 2000 AD, was that colour all the way through? No, just just the middle pages. Badly printed colour. I just love the old logo as well. It was really, really nice. Yeah. And it's quite a nostalgia trip, kind of looking... Looking back at um, covers like this, and the fact yeah, that it's eight, it's eight p as well. It was eight pence. Eight pence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Right, gosh. Inflation, know. eh? Why is yeah, it, why just... is this your favourite question? Is it do you particularly I, like I, covers? Yeah, I, I I mean I love covers because um, obviously they're there to kind of try and draw the reader in. Mm. Um, and uh, try and somewhat say what's inside, um, however abstract that is. Um, but I also think kind of trying to pin down uh, your favourite cover as a creator um, is, is probably can potentially be quite telling um, as well. Um, just kind of the foundations of your creativity, perhaps, um, and yeah, so, yeah, yeah that's, that's why I find it particularly uh, fascinating. And, uh, yeah, it's really interesting that you, that you bring this one up, Cred, because right. it it, it's very kind of – it's really – it's such a strange look, like literally yeah. the body of a T-Rex with three blokes' head on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's just the sort of thing that makes you go, what? 
<laughs> you just need to read it to find out what on earth. Is like, what on. is that about? How, how well? Obviously, we have a bit of an inkling of, of how that happened, but I want to find out more. Really, um, yeah. and uh, yeah, that's kind of what what I get from you is that I want to find out more. <laughs> Cheers, thank you. I'm not telling you anything more though. <laughs> Uh, and uh, and for you, Julian, uh, what's your favourite cover? Uh, it it's kind of odd how you've just kind of said how it kind of highlights something about the artist and the creator. So kind of Krent, as Krent's describing that, you just think, yeah, that is totally Krent. I can't see anybody else. Well, lots of people like it, but where he gets his inspiration from, and mine, I feel a bit odd saying it now. Mine's um. Tales from the Inner City by Sean Tan, who has been mentioned before. It feels it makes me feel like I'm a real I'm the arty one out of the pair of us. <laughs> Crunch the schlo- the schlocky, interesting, fun to be around one. And I'm the kind of the chin the chin stroking <laughs> kind of arty one. Totally fair, totally fair. <laughs> I love the front cover of it. I it's, it's it is absolutely stunning. Um, if you're listening to this, do do Google it. Um, you can just kind of feel it's it's a young boy holding up a, a sun. I think it's a sunfish. I assume it's a sunfish. Um, and it's the colours and the vibrancy and the, the transparency on the fish, which I love. And I just love the heat, the feeling of heat coming from it. It's kind of like a, a Gustav Klimt painting as well. There's it's just beautiful, and I was lucky enough that Sean did send me a print of it. So I've got it up in my front room, and I just kind of find myself standing, staring at it. I find it very cathartic, and it and it's it does that thing, not like some comics, you know, great worked up cover, disappointing artwork within. I think with this, with Sean's book, it kind of shows the quality of everything within that book that you're going to see because it is just wonderful draftsmanship and um color palette and just kind of i guess it kind of shows sean off to be a, a bit of a, a clever boy really annoyingly clever yeah it, it is a stunning painting um, probably could be improved with a, a tranosaurus rex maybe kind of so, yeah, yeah. yeah just yeah. a silhouette a silhouette <laughs> right at just the bottom a, would be great the distance yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, no, yeah, not um, not to shy away from from the uh, from the actual thing. But it's it is it's a fantastic um, painting uh, that, that Sean's created there, and it's it's intriguing as well. Um, like, why is this boy carrying this fish? Mm. Yeah, you, you don't <laughs> and, you don't see his face. The background's no. kind of hazy. You're not sure where it no. is in the world, located of what era it's in. There's a there's a lot of questions being asked in it, and I, I mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think it is a beautiful, beautiful image. Absolutely, um, folks, go go check that out by uh, just googling "tales from the inner city" and Sean Tan, and uh, and that will come up, and you, you'll see what we mean. I mean, I, I can see why you've kind of got it up in your front room there, Julian. Um, it, it kind of feels calming in a way, particularly kind of with the, it's kind of like the sun setting. Yes, almost. Um, and uh, yeah, just beautiful, beautiful colours. Yeah, no, uh, yeah. The, the palette, the orange on the kind of the fins of the fish or whatever, just they just kind of bang off the uh, the cover. 
yeah, it's great. Beautiful. Uh, now, uh, moving on to another of my favourite questions, and for you, Crent, uh, what's the most meaningful comic to you? <clears throat> Probably in terms of my own life and the effect it had, had on it would be um, Dan Clow's 8-Ball comic. Mm. Because I hadn't done comics for a while. I was doing music around about when I was maybe 30. And then I I picked that up in a comic shop. I was just, when I was in Camden, had had spare half hour, so I went into a comic shop. But I really wasn't that mad about comics, so I didn't really recognize much of the stuff in there. But I liked the cover on that one. And then I got it, and it's a compilation of a lot of the more stupid comics from his eight ball, which had stuff like ghost world and David boring and that kind of thing. But this is more the gag kind of comics, very silly, short little comics. And I loved it. And I probably thought, yeah, I could do that ish, but not as well. (laughs) So yeah, I'll give it a go. It kind of gave me a framework for the parameters of what I could do really. It's hard to describe, and I don't have the skills to describe that. But yeah, it got me back into making comics after not doing comics since I was like fifteen. So that that's fantastic. That's a, that's great to have. Kind of a it is it's. I've kind of ish had a similar experience with it with a comic, um, where it is it's a eureka moment where you feel like oh, I can see the path ahead of me. Mm-hmm. What was your comic? Uh, it, it was The Walking Dead. Oh, of course. Yeah. Really? Um, yeah. Whereas, like, uh, not that I could kind of, you know, uh, create something as uh, as big as The Walking Dead, but I felt like kind of a kinship to it and that I understood the story and that, oh, perhaps I could do something like that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it kind of sounds like that's kind of the experience that, that you had. And it's great when you feel that elation of having some direction i yeah. think um and then would would that kind of articulate kind of what you felt yeah pretty much just like a real inspiration for mm. me i probably hadn't seen quite that kind of thing yeah um i've seen a few indie comics but they didn't really do it for me quite the way that did it just really made me laugh and the art was spectacularly good and it was just really clever it's, it's, yeah fantastic <laughs> <laughs> that's great Grant. that's great fantastic uh, and for you julian uh what's the most meaningful comic to you well kind of peculiar enough i had my moment in camden as well um right. it's camden high street i can't remember what the there was a big bookshop there i can't remember what it was it might have been a waterstones or something it was um ted mckeever's metropole um and I, you know, I'd done all the kind of the, the US indie stuff and Deadline had been knocking around for a while. So I'd kind of been reading Deadline. And then I picked up a hard cover copy of Ted McKeever's Metropole. And I kind of picked it up and thought, well, it's in a hard cover. So this must mean it's serious. And I just kind of started thumbing through the page. I'd never seen a graphic novel before. Everything I'd seen had been, you know, the ordinary kind of comic format. So I bought it. I remember it cost a 
real arm and a leg. And I was a student at the time, so it really kind of, I had to like it. I, to, kind of, I invested in it both kind of emotionally and financially at that point. And it was a huge story. It was kind of uh, full of, had a biblical angle with all fallen angels. And um, it kind of opened my eyes to how big you could make a, a comic story, the world that you could create. Um, so kind of from there, yeah, I kind of explored bigger themes, comics with bigger themes. That's what it set me off on. So it became very important from that point. It's like a fulcrum point, I'd say. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, no, it just goes to show you that it's always worth going to Camden, um, apparently, because um, you never know if you'll have your own eureka moment. <laughs> Do it. There's a comic shop there, Mega City Comics. Of course. Yeah. yeah nice so go go check it out as soon as, soon as we can. Um, I'll be I'll be straight there, hundred percent. Excellent. Um, now uh, moving on to our next question, um, and for Krent, uh, what's the most underrated comic? Uh, the most underrated comic, without doubt or any question in the world, is Trent Abel's Big Book of Mystery. <laughs> that is <shameless>. <laughs> <laughs> because like apparently there's still some left in the warehouse and it was not a massive print run I mean it was reasonable I'm not saying it was a poor print run but there's still some left and it's I read it and it really makes me laugh quite a lot I think it's I really enjoy it you know what I mean That's- I love that I love that I love the cover Friends. Yeah, the it's spectacular. It's bloody brilliant. Um, I absolutely love it. Um, I think that's great, and I'm going to pick up a copy. Definitely. So who you, who, yeah, who are you blaming, Crent? The publisher or the uh, the public at large? I think it's um, the public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can you give us a flavour of what's in inside, Crent? Oh uh, yeah, it's um. It's a compilation of comics. Yeah, filth, basically. It's a compilation of filthy, violent comics, beautifully drawn with with a lot of sensitivity and intelligence. Uh, It's a compilation of comics from a magazine called The Stool Pigeon, which was um, kind of, it was like the enemy, but more kind of uh, filthier and punk rock roundabout. I don't know, about 10 years ago. And they used to have a load of uh, comics in the middle. And I used to have the centre page most times. And it's a compilation of those comics. Dr. Cave, stuff like that. It's like a mistake of Nick Cave as a doctor. Badly curing people. There's a lot of penises and stuff in it. It's, It's quite infantile, but classy at the same time. So, yeah. That should have been the tagline, shouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that would have got rid of the entire print run. <laughs> Very childish. We need to find this warehouse and go and liberate them. We do. Just give them out free. <laughs> I must not give the link to this podcast to my publisher of that book. <laughs> I can't even put this. I can't even put this podcast on my Facebook now. Because he follows me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and for you, Julian, um, what do you feel is the most underrated comic? 
Uh, for me, it's Ganges by Kevin. Now, his name, I'm not 100% sure. Heisinger. He's with um, Fantagraphics. I found two copies of his book, Ganges, when Gosh Comics used to be up by the British Museum all those years ago. Um, so I picked it up, and it's it's really it's simple looking, but it's really, really clever in the, the storytelling. And there's, he has a kind of a great skill of flipping between reality and the subconscious. Um, within the book, there's lots of kind of mundane... Uh, settings of him lying in bed um, hearing the house creak as it cools in the summer and or getting up and trying to listen to music in the flat without waking his partner so there's all these kind of small little idiosyncratic life things happening but then it will kind of burst into strange surreal dream states and it's uh, yeah he's just one of those creators where I never hear anybody talk about him Never really see his books carried in uh, comic shops. Um, What's his name? Kevin Heisinger. It's spelled H-U-I-Z-I-Z. I'm dyslexic, so I'm going to have trouble. H-U-I-Z-I-N-G-A, I think, something like that. Um, I think he might be dead. Oh, no, don't. I'm looking at a picture of his grave. Seriously. Seriously. But there could be more than one. Oh, man. This, this podcast is taking a turn for the worst. If you Google his name, <laughs> you see a picture of a man's grave. With yeah, the fortunately, on his wiki, it doesn't say that he's dead. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. It's, okay. It's, yeah. it's, just delete that bit where I brought the whole no, conversation down. Yeah. <laughs> well, well it's, I'm glad to know that he's alive and well and Prince not kind of, yeah. Go, Kevin. Okay. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so a deeply underrated and thankfully not under the soil comic creator. Definitely. Um, now that looks really, really interesting. Um, and it's, it can be very frustrating, can't it, to, to try and understand why somebody doesn't quite get the traction that they, they deserve. Um, have, have you got any insights into that at all, Julian? I, it's probably a bad day to ask you something like that. <laughs> no, sorry, mate. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, it it makes no sense. It absolutely makes no sense. Whether you're posting on Instagram or whatever you might be doing, it's just what the zeitgeist is, or what the algorithm is, or whatever mm. it might be. It's and it's so disheartening, especially when you go to conventions and you walk around and you pick up some people's work and you think. Why on earth isn't more people seeing this stuff? And you go to the big panels and there are people on there and you just think they don't deserve to be there. Whereas some people in the convention centre have got wonderful pieces of work. But it's also personal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. And how about you, Krent? Any thoughts? What was the question? Sorry. Uh, just, just why people, some people just kind of end up... F- flying under the radar um um maybe their work is just a little bit wonky or difficult Mm -hmm. to be uh enjoyed by tons of people or it's just not the right time for it yeah or i don't know i mean 
there's so many artists out there and so many creators making stuff. It's hard to just get anybody to notice your work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some people get through, but it's you have to be really, really tenacious mm-hmm. and stubborn just to keep doing it, really, as well as creating the best way you can. I don't know. Yeah, it, it can just be a matter of kind of persistence at the end of the day, can't it? You just got yeah keep going and eventually you will kind of get there um but uh yeah it's just a case of kind of trying to stay on on that those tracks <laughs> in order to get there. and particularly like nowadays uh kind of with you're kind of competing uh against algorithms and all sorts like that um trying to kind of make yourself unique um when it's such a competitive field is uh, is exceedingly difficult, but uh, just got to keep trying, I guess. Yeah, stay positive. That's the hard thing, really. It's because you're so, yeah. it's such a secluded, isolated profession that you're on your own for hours and hours working. Mm. So you've got all the bugbears in your head half the time telling you, you what you're doing is not great and all that stuff. You just have to, for me, I just have to trick my brain to tell me that I'm brilliant all the time. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't really have bad thoughts coming in saying you're rubbish, you're rubbish, you're rubbish. So yeah, I, do, I just kind of bolster my ego all the time and, make, and tell myself that I'm great and it keeps me going and not worrying about am I good enough, all this stuff. Just So my advice, if any, if you're doing comics, is just kind of like hypnotise yourself into thinking that you're brilliant. That's my trick. Fan, How about fan. you, Julian? Yeah. I think you're right. I think you, you spend so long by yourself in your head with the story, staring at the page. Yeah. So yeah, the doubts just begin to kind of linger and creep slowly and you, you you have to kind of push yourself and reassure yourself. Sometimes I would just take myself off, especially social media, not look at other people's work because it will just broadside you, especially if there's a story it's a little similar to what you've been cooking up. So you've been kind of nesting the story for two years and you think, okay, this is good. Wait till they get a load of this. And then you read a review about something, you know, it, it's in the same ballpark. It's not similar. And then all of a sudden you start doubting everything that you've done over the past year and a quarter or whatever it is. It's a, yeah, it, it's a hard, hard game, I think. Bumming me out, really. oh, no. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's kind of good advice. Advice in terms of just trying to, um, yeah, stay away. Um, particularly, kind of when you're when you're creating um, yourself and you're focusing on a project, um, stay away from kind of yeah social media, perhaps, um, and even kind of yeah any types of reviews. Because um, if something is ever so slightly similar to what you're doing, it, it could kind of put you off. Um, of, of what you're doing um and uh yeah you don't need that <laughs> at all just got to keep plugging away your own creation yes my advice is on my instagram i've removed all the, i mean i follow a lot of people but i don't see any of their stuff i've just replaced it all with um uh accounts about sea animals so i just see sharks and jellyfish <laughs> and crabs and stuff and on twitter it's the same it's just aquatic stuff and it's so much better for your brain 
you know what I mean? That's great you, advice. Yeah. Can you genuinely do that? Or am yeah, I being can. really stupid? Seriously. No, can, yeah, that's what I do. I'll show you my Instagram sometime. It's all Please underwater. Do. <laughs> that's genius. I, I, can, that. I can feel my stress levels already reducing. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very relaxing and you don't see people and think, God, he's better than me. That yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's great. Damn it! Okay, that's good. <laughs> nice. I might switch my uh, my own Twitter feed to all otter stuff because like, otters are my favourite animals. Um, but uh, yeah, no, that'd be very calming and uh, be very cute. <laughs> great, great advice, Crent. Uh, now, uh, moving moving on to our next question and penultimate question: um, What comic would you recommend to a friend who's never read comics? Is this for me? Yes. Okay. I have a really clever Clogs answer for this, and it's Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. So I'm kind of giving them a book that that makes them think, my God, comics are, like, really smart. So and it's almost like a, a thesis on how to understand comics done as a comic, pictorially. It's, it's a great comic to read, and it shows you loads of stuff it teaches you loads of stuff and yeah you'll learn a lot by reading it and if you've never read a comic i find i I sort of see people saying i don't know how to read comics if they've never read them before which i don't really understand yeah i assumed that it's just natural to know how to read a comic but a lot of people apparently they don't know how to do it uh, which seems odd to me but i think yeah, you give them that. You give them that book. You look clever. It makes them feel clever. Everybody's <laughs> clever. It's good, man. <laughs> Love it. That's genius. And for you, Julian? Um, I'm going to go with Wilson by Daniel Klaus. Um, for the reason that when I first met my now wife, I gave a... We do that thing when you, you meet someone for the first time, you kind of offload all CDs onto them and say, oh, you've got to listen to this. This is amazing. I, book-wise, I gave her V for Vendetta and Watchmen. And my wife, Sarah, had never read comics in her life before and had no interest in comics at all. And she didn't finish either of them, which is absolutely fine because they're kind of pretty hard books to get into from the get-go. So I guess I feel something like Wilson, which is... It's a pretty easy to read book. Each page is its own little vignetted story, but builds to a builds to a whole. And each page has a, a different comic style as well to it. So you can kind of I imagine you kind of pick it up and put it down. You don't feel like you're being overloaded by concepts and nifty and clever storytelling. Um, and you know, Klaus handles the whole thing as you'd imagine, as Krent's kind of spoken about. He handles it beautifully and his colours are so brilliantly weighted. Um, but it's one of it's a book that I went to look at before we did this at the podcast to kind of remind myself of it. But usually a sign of a good book is it's not on my bookshelf. So I've lent it to someone and it's not there anymore. It's it's missing in action, which is, you know, I've spread the love with it and I've not got it in return, but that's not a bad thing. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not as good. So if, you, so if you've got my copy and you're listening to this, send it back. I don't have it. It's not you mine. don't? Okay. No. Honest. 
No, that's a, that's a great choice. And, and I think you're quite right. Kind of the, the likes of Watchmen and Viva Vendetta are probably a bit a bit tough for first timers to properly get into. Um, and uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great choice. Uh, now, uh, moving on to our last question. Um, and for you, Krent, um, whilst you're still sitting in front of uh, the TV in this uh, robotic apocalypse, um, if you could only take one comic into this apocalypse with you, which would it be? How to Kill Robots? No, it's uh, <laughs> Frank Miller's Sin City. Uh, just because I've read it so many times and the art is incredible. Probably, yeah, some of the very finest art I've ever seen. Because it's so, it looks so loose and easy, like he hasn't tried very hard. But it's just, it's it's the kind of art you could only do like if, like him, you've been working in comics already for 20 or 30 years, working through different styles, refining it, and getting to that certain point. But yeah, it, it would be impossible to copy it well. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's high contrast, black and white, very minimal when it needs to be, and very detailed when it wants to be. When I was at film school, Krent, I right. tried to I tried to blatantly rip off Sin City. So this was a long time before CGI animation and stuff, and I was I was doing animation in the traditional drawn on paper stuff. Mm. Could not break it down at all. It is so complicated, as you said. Look simple. No, 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 no. It's very, very complex. I don't know how we, how we. I mean, you could, you could kind of try it on a computer where you can erase and. But this is all done on paper. I don't even understand. I'd love to see one of the pages. How much whiteout is on it? Yeah. Yeah, with a computer, you could you could adjust layers and. Yeah, you can just try things out. Like, I mean, I draw a lot of my stuff on a computer, and you, it doesn't matter if you make a state mistake. You can just cut away at it like a sculpture. You can cut out the white bits. Mm-hmm. You can slap on a black bit and get it perfect. But this looks like it's, yeah, it's just done it naturally. But from years and years of experience and yeah, talent. Brilliant. And the writing is really good as well. And I like the... I like the way the panels are laid out. You'll suddenly turn the page and then there'll be a, a big double page spread. And it's just so cinematic. It's mm. incredible work. Yeah. Great choice. Definitely one of my favourites as well, Krent. So uh, I'm, I'm with Cheers, you there man. on that one. Uh, now, uh, Julian, for you, which which one comic would you take into the apocalypse? It's another one of these names that's come up before. I think there's kind of like a Venn diagram between Krent's and mine answers. And this is Chris Ware's Rusty Brown. Um, I love Chris Ware for all his depressing elements and everything. I've been buying his books for years and years and years. And so he released Rusty Brown, I think it was last Christmas or the Christmas before. Anyway, I asked for it for, for a Christmas present. Really excited, opened it up. and It's a big old doorstop of a book I can't read the bloody thing the, the, <laughs> the font the text font is so small in it it is ridiculous and I've put kind of big bottle top glasses on shone a bloody arc lamp on it 
I can't read it. I've got halfway through it and I've had to put it down. So it's a book that I've not finished and I've been was so looking forward to reading. So I kind of guess I'll take that into the apocalypse if I've got time on my hands. If, if things are going well, I'm not fighting off robots or anything. I can kind of slowly work my way through it. But I can't understand why the font in the book is so bloody small. It's ridiculous. Is it the whole book, Tiny? Yeah, it's, it is tiny. And there are some panels where I, I you've got to think that they, he's either <laughs> taking the piss slightly or I don't know why they didn't just print it bigger. He sells copies. They, it's not a cost thing, surely. It, it really in, it kind of gets in the way of the enjoyment when you're having to struggle to read. You know, mm-hmm. the, the illustrations are beautiful as always, but I, I, I couldn't read it. What's the point? Man, that's tough. That's that's such a shame when when the lettering kind of lets down a comic, um, and it didn't need. Yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Is there a story behind that? Trent is very very specific about lettering. I get. I can feel the blood. You're getting my blood up already. (laughs) Just, I will. I will only read a comic if it's hand lettered. Wow. Nice. I mean, I guess I will make an exception, but I will be angry while I'm doing it. Very, very angry indeed. <laughs> yeah, there's something about, for me, and the hand lettering, it just sits on the page. It sits with the artwork. It's at one with the artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if you make a font of your own lettering and then stick that on top, it still looks like it's in a different dimension to the rest of the page, usually. So, yeah. And it's really hard to do lettering as well. I just like the idea that one person does everything, that they have to learn this whole uh, technique of trying to letter. I don't know. It's just lettering is horrible. It's horrible. Fade him out. Fade him out for the love of God. I I keep talking about this all day, man. (laughs) Well, it's vital, isn't it? It's it's vital to, to the flow of a comic. And yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's important to kind of take it seriously. Um, to, 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 I'm to, sorry about that. Right. Crying into Luke. Nah, not at all. It's all good. Um, <laughs> and uh, t- talking of anger and kind of, you know, um, potentially protecting yourself, um, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take into the apocalypse with you as well? Oh, I can just choose any item, or is it yes. something? That's the thing that I've already got. Nope, any item whatsoever. Uh, I think it would be like um, it would be like a bazooka that also fired lasers (laughs) of course (laughs) love it that really yeah but the laser beam I'm quite specific about my laser beams I want them to be pink (laughs) pink laser bazooka I love it yeah, that's it. I'd love to see that. How really? many shots per uh, uh, charge time. you get, Trent? Okay, um, well, it's lasers. I, I assume lasers don't run out. Do they? Do not? I don't know. Again? What are they power- powered by? Uh, Who powers the lasers in this future? You sh- <laughs> I do. Um, let, let, let's make it a solar pa- like a solar pad-powered... Uh, yeah. Uh, pink laser bazooka. So as long as you've got solar power, then that's going to be all weak. 
in the weather we've had this week, it's just going to kind of that's a good flop point. out the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you mocking my laser? Yes, I am, sir. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, and for you, Julian, uh, what weapon tool or useful item would you like? Well, I kind of figure everything is available on the internet. So I'm going to buy myself a Swedish CB90 gunboat. Mm. And with this gunboat, I'm going to, because I live on the coast, so I'm sure Amazon will deliver it to the beach, which is, what, 400 metres away. And I will slowly work my way down the, the west coast of France into the Mediterranean, and I'll live off olives and Greek beer for the rest of my life, really. A boat is not really a weapon, though, is it? Let's face it. it. it these these things are armed to the teeth with 50 cal machine guns and stuff. Yeah, yes. Nice. I can just sit in the middle of the Mediterranean. Anyone gets within half a mile of me, I'll light them up. <laughs> I'll laser your ass. Yeah, right. From the shore. <laughs> I'll see those little pink laser things. Pew, pew, pew. You know what hit you, mate. You know what hit you. <laughs> I want to see this, like in a in a, in a drawing, kind of. <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> Crunch shooting a peat laser, and Julian just kind of sipping sipping on some Greek beer, sitting, yeah, sitting be, back in a street, yeah, just Swedish bobbing gumbo. around in the med. Yeah, be on the on the shore in his little speedos, all burnt. <laughs> I don't need to wear speedos because there's only robots. <laughs> Oh, right. <laughs> they're not going to get turned on unless they're sex robots. <laughs> Sexy robots. I'll be I'll be running wild in this new future, wild and free, naked. Totally what's What's naked. happened to the warehouse with your comics in? Lasers, mate. Lasers. <laughs> brilliant uh well uh krent abel and julian hanshaw thank you so much for sharing your comics for the apocalypse it's, it really has been an absolute pleasure thank you thanks for having us yeah thank you very much indeed thank you it's been a laugh fantastic uh and one more time for the listeners uh where can they find you online um krent abel just like just type krent abel krent abel on instagram krent abel on facebook uh, Twitter or Instagram, all of them. Yeah, I'm very modern. And you can find me at, at Hanshaw Julian on Instagram and Twitter. Fantastic. Um, and uh, I Feel Love uh, is available from uh, Self Made Hero right now. Uh, go order it from your local comic book shop, or I'm sure um, you can find it online. Go check it out. Um, and if it's if you like what you see make sure you buy it um, and uh, make sure that you let uh, Krent and Julian know um, when you when you receive it as well uh, online and, uh, and get sharing to tell all your friends and all that jazz. Um, and uh, do you, are you guys uh, planning to go to any events later in the year at all? Are there any? Do you know uh, of any? Thought Bubble. Thought Bubble. Oh, really? yes. Uh, yeah, I guess... We'll we'll head north and uh, go. To, is it back in Harrogate or at Leeds again? Where? where yeah, it's at Harrogate. It's at yeah, Harrogate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When is yeah. it? Football? Uh, November. Oh, right. yeah, I can't remember the exact date, but uh, yeah, no, um, they're they're, they're going to try to to go for it. Um, they've kind of, I think they've sorted out all of the exhibitors and things by now. But uh, yeah, they're they're, they're going for it. 
Um, so um, we'll have to wait and see, of course. But uh, fingers crossed it will be yeah. the first of many to come because um, I've really missed cons this past year. Um, how about you guys? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because it's with I Feel Love, we were due to launch September 20. Mm. So that would have been kind of thought bubble time, lakes, all that kind of stuff. Got put back because of COVID. I was then hoping to go to TCAF in Toronto in May this year for it. Didn't happen. Yeah, it just feels like it's been one thing after another. So really, yeah, looking forward to just hanging out with people, having a drink with people and just kind of talking comics, really. Yeah. Awesome. Well, fingers crossed our uh, our paths will uh, cross in person. Um, it would be great to, uh, to, to meet you both in person uh, doing your cosplay. Of, uh, of a of a pink laser bazooka, um, and you could kind of, I don't know, fashion like some sort of gunboat around you, or something, Julian. I don't know. <laughs> They've got canals in Leeds. I'll I'll drive one straight into the centre of Leeds. It'll be fine. <laughs> Brilliant, perfect. Well, thank you both again for for an absolutely fantastic hour. Um, it's it's been a it's been a real hoot. And uh, yeah, um, other than that, I'm, I'm sure I'll see you both on Instagram and Twitter. Lovely. Thanks. Take care. Us. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks again to Julian and Krent for being on Comics for the Apocalypse. It was an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast service you use, as not only will it let me know that you liked it, but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Julian and Krent's work or follow them on social media, those links are in the show notes along with all our own links to the various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.